yeah, exactly. And like, like Toby was saying too, the, the, the cool thing about this that we've learned even more from, you know, now, now all, all of our reservation holders, many of whom drive traditional that, you know, gas or diesel trucks is that we're all used to getting eight, maybe 10 miles per gallon when you're towing with a, you know, with a traditional truck and, and you just, you just pay at the pump with some, with a trailer like this, that is both very efficient and has a, a you know, a, a power system, a, a propulsion system on board. You can get back almost to your, you know, your normal unladen highway fuel economy. So if your truck gets maybe 20, 20 miles a gallon, 20, 22 miles a gallon on the highway, you're back to that point for 300 miles as well. Hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Jeremy. And we are the authors of Where Should We Camp Next? And Where Should We Camp Next? National Parks. This season, we are back with a brand new RV and brand new adventures. Join us now as we cover the best campgrounds, the best rigs, the best food, and the best gear to bring with you when you go. So pull up a chair and join us around the digital campfire. This is the RV Atlas. Hello, everybody, and welcome to today's episode of the RV Atlas. Today, I'm incredibly excited to have on the show for the very first time, Ben Parker and Toby Krause. They are the co-founders of Lightship. Lightship is a brand new RV company that launched the prototype of their very first travel trailer, the L1, this past summer. This is an amazing travel trailer. It is all electric. It has self-propulsion capability has a beautiful design, really unique exterior and interior features. It has a dishwasher, for goodness sake. Um, And it is a game changer. This is an RV that has been in the news all summer long, and it will continue to be in the news as they move towards production in 2024. You guys are going to really be excited to meet Ben and Toby. We're going to talk about their origin story. We're going to talk about both of their early years at Tesla and how they met and how they decided to form Lightship. And then we're going to get into the capabilities and the power systems of the Lightship, talk about design features, talk about how the company is going to work with their direct-to-consumer model, how the RVs are going to be serviced. We're going to walk through everything you need to know about this really, really exciting new company called Lightship. But before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Blackstone. The sound of bacon or burgers and steak sizzling is the sound that you crave this summer. Blackstone is the original flat-top griddle with more than 9 million griddles sold. Blackstone is the way that America cooks in the great outdoors. You can cook everything you can on a traditional grill and a thousand things you can't. Want an incredible breakfast? How about lunch or dinner? The solid steel flat-top infuses the flavors. Pick the size and style that's right for your next camping trip. The 17-inch and 22-inch griddles are easy to store in your RV and still have the space to feed the hungriest army. There's even a portable Blackstone with an air fryer built in. Talk about variety. With Blackstone, you can cook anything, anytime, anywhere. They even make a portable pizza oven that you can bring camping. For outdoor cooking fun and flavor that you can't find anywhere else, go wherever griddles are sold or head on over to blackstoneproducts.com. And remember, if it's not a Blackstone, it's not a griddle. Hello, Ben Parker and Toby Krause, and welcome to the RV Atlas for the very first time. How are you guys doing? Hey, Jeremy. Thanks. For, uh, yeah, we're psyched to be here. I'm good. It's like to have you guys. Yeah, no good. Where, where are you Thanks, at? Where are you located show. right now? 
different different parts. I'm I'm in in San Francisco today, uh, where about half the company is, and we we're just loading up our our Alpha vehicle trailer, going up to to Seattle for another show this morning, just just before this, and uh, Toby's in Colorado. But yeah, I'm I'm speaking to you from Boulder, and we're actually short shortly moving to to Broomfield. Uh, Colorado, where we're going to open up our pilot manufacturing facility. Awesome. Very exciting. Um, I want to take a deep dive into the L1. I really want to talk shop about this, this amazing trailer, but I want our audience to get to know you guys too, and to kind of know the origin story of the, of the company. So before you both founded Lightship, what were you doing professionally? Like lead us kind of lead us up to the point where we, um, we, we go on these epic road trips that we'll talk about in a second and we get the, the birth of Lightship. What were you doing first? <laughs> uh, yeah, we, yeah, we we love a good good epic road trip. We we were um, we actually we well, so Toby and I didn't we didn't meet at Tesla, but both of us had been working at Tesla. I was there twenty fifteen to twenty twenty as a as a battery engineer. I worked mostly on the Model Three batteries, so sort of Tesla's first mass market car, and uh, spent a, spent a lot of time living out of a suitcase in in at uh, the casino hotels in Reno because that, that was where the first the first gigafactory was 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 being built and, and ramped uh, and then I I was back in in the bay area for the last uh, year and a half that I was I was there work, sort of working on the cybertruck battery and and um, everything that that comes out of the the Austin gigafactory which is Tesla's fourth um, and Toby I don't know if you want to give give a little bit of your your background too yeah, also a former Tesla guy has, has been a manufacturer. Started my career in finance. Um, I was an investment banker in uh, New York City. Um, I did that during the last, the last financial crisis, 2007-2009. Didn't love it, to be honest. Um, and uh, in 2009, I decided it was going to be uh, the right time to go work for a car company, um, and kind of a silly time to do it because at that time, you know, two of the largest, uh, two of the three largest. U.S. car companies had just uh, declared bankruptcy, um, and so I went to go work for a startup car company. Um, and uh, for, for you know, was fortunate uh, enough, it was that, that was Tesla, and Tesla was a about a 400 person company back then. And um, and I was I was on the really on the kind of the more business side. So I led the finance team at Tesla, and I was a spent a, a year about a year as a product manager for the very first Model S. Um, which uh, if, if you've seen the Model S, just a big black fish mouth driving around. That was Model S 1.0, uh, which was my product. And then I, I basically have been doing uh, electric vehicle stuff my, my, my whole career. So after leaving Tesla, I went to go work for another electric vehicle company called Proterra, uh, which is you know, big electric vehicles. They do uh, sort of commercial heavy duty uh, vehicles. Um, and my, my responsibility there was um, setting up what we call Proterra Power, which is basically taking uh, electric vehicle technology and deploying it into different, um, you know, vehicle segments. And we did, you know, a number of really cool programs, uh, you know, a you know, class A truck, a school bus, a coach bus, um, delivery trucks, and um, hadn't done an RV at that point. Uh, that would come a bit later, um, but had, had that, that, you know, experience really instilled in me, like my, my love for, for all things. That, that move on the ground and, and trying to make them electric. And you guys did not yeah. know each other during this this time when you were both working at Tesla, correct? No, it was actually, it's funny. It was kind of random. We, we um, I mean, T Toby and I were 
certainly back in, in 2018 and 2019, we were, we were both thinking about um, what sort of where electrification would go next in 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 ground vehicles or what the next wave of, of electrification for for ground transport would look like. Um, but the the the, the initial origin of Lightship was kind of, kind of funny and 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 set aside from from RVs. It was uh, it came to be by serendipity that I was as I was working back at, at Tesla's headquarters in in Palo Alto, California. I would eat at a food truck every day because there was a, there was a, maybe a half dozen of them that came in a in a rotating circuit to to, to feed the folks there and. Um, they, of course, they all run generators, typically, you know, propane or gas gas generators. And I just like got kind of annoyed yelling over the generator to, you know, to put in my 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 panini order or whatever it was. And so that that kind of I, it turned into a side project for me to, you know, talking with 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 food truckers, both at Tesla and then all around the Bay Area and trying to figure out, um, you know, how to how to electrify the, the the system that they would use to to run run their operation, to run the food truck. And I did that for. Uh, maybe nine, nine or ten months through 2019, and where where I really kind of stumbled into RVing was that I would tell people about this food truck project, and then RVing they would bring it up sometimes because there's you know there's a similar need to electrify all the appliances on board an RV uh, as with a food truck, or at least that that would be the aspiration you know to not to not um, to have to have to rely on a 12 volt battery and a propane system and a and a, and a gener- you know a gen set to to, to, to power the, the, the camper. Um, and then I just started, I, you know, I, I actually, I, like I, I grew up on, on an Island on the East coast and then I, I, I was, I was in San Francisco and neither of those places are very, it's not an easy place to, to go RVing. So I, I, I had, Toby and I had both done a lot of, a lot of road tripping and, and, you know, you know just love, love spending time in, in the outdoors and growing up doing that, but didn't have a ton of RV experience. And so I, I was, uh, we've both now really got gotten into it and back, you know, back as COVID started, that was that was my my moment to go from, okay, yeah, RVing, that's an interesting idea. It's you know, it seems like there's actually really good, you know, cool opportunities in terms of the experience of going RVing if you had a single, clean, sort of seamless fuel source and it, and, it, and if it were electric, because that was maybe that was that was the background that we both came in with. Um, and when COVID hit, I so I, I quit Tesla and I I did a I rented a uh, I think it was a I forget if it's a 28 or a 30 foot um, Winnebago, a Class C motorhome, a Mini Winnie, and from a from a family rental business in Antioch, California, and I rented it for three months, and I I hit the road, and it was obviously a you know crazy time in the world, and and but honestly a good good time to go go RVing that whole first summer, and um, I did a big a big kind of counterclockwise loop of the West, and you know went 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 through zigzagged across Colorado a couple times, and and. Was meeting a you know a bunch of other RVers on the road and and, and really le- learning the lifestyle firsthand and talking about talking with them about what you know what electrification would mean for the pastime too and um, I was just I loved it so much and I, I you know I came back and I was like yeah this is definitely something I want to spend a lot of my life uh, working on and and it's kind of a kind of a hack to 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 get to uh, you know make your job be it be a be a fun recreational pastime as well and. Um, I I then got got back to the Bay Area after about about three months um, and maybe six thousand miles and uh, started working on our first prototype and then Toby and I got we got connected through um, a, a guy who who we had both known from Tesla his, his name is Dorian and he he'd been there for for a long long time and actually became became one, our our very first uh, investor as well and 
once once he he put us in touch, we we could tell there was you know there was a really good kind of background complement between the two of us, and we just we saw eye to eye on on how you know w- what is it what does a great new vehicle business look like, um, and how we how we want to build it, and so we we shook hands, and the the first thing we did uh, was to do another another RVing road trip um, where uh, you, well, you, should, you should tell the story, Toby, because it's probably funnier from your perspective. You didn't even know what a nut I was yet. And this is where you guys yeah, actually but... met was was right before this. You'd been introduced online, as it were. Uh, you're talking about maybe maybe forming this company. Uh, so let's go on a road trip, which I, which I love that impulse, right? Um, yeah. So this is the first time you met. So tell us the story about this road trip. How did this go? Yeah. So technically, we we met kind of like on Zoom, you know, at the at the beginning of the pandemic when many people's work lives went 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 on to video you know calls um and we've been probably working together for about three weeks yeah. um before we did the road trip um which wasn't much and so when you know when, when ben initially proposed this th- this is what's great about ben like we, we kind of joke like ben ben is much, the much more impulsive of, of the two of us um or he, he i'm the head and he's the heart yeah he, uh, he's the sizzle and i'm the steak or something like he he he's the motivator when it comes to things like this, and he he proposed it, and I, and this has happened a number of times actually over over the course of our relationship where I was you know initially reluctant but had to admit it was kind of a brilliant idea, um, and so we we did it, and um, yeah, basically Ben so Ben rented a, uh, um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know the 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 Hilo trailer. And we, you know, we wanted to, we really wanted to, I mean, get to know each other and simultaneously, you know, experience um, the challenge that we, that we were going to, you know, set out to, to address. And so we, um, or, you know, Ben rented a Hilo trailer, towed it behind um, a Model X um, out from California. Um, the reason we chose a Hilo trailer is because we wanted to to pick kind of like the most, you know, uh, low profile aero, you know, aerodynamic trailer, you know, we could, um, to just sort of see like what, what was the state of the art. Um, and he drove it out here. I was, you know, already starting to get some inklings of how hard that would be. And then when he picked me up, I got to experience it firsthand. And And I should mention, by the way, the, uh, the Tesla Model X that we rented was the only electric vehicle out there at the time that had enough towing capacity to, to tow. A trailer of any size because there were no there were no EV trucks on the market at that point and we yeah, were we were like pre, we were pushing yeah, pre, the limits on that thing. So you you guys are like let's go out for three weeks and experience some range anxiety together and just kind of like see how this goes right. And there there were some issues right. Uh yeah oh yeah there were there were some issues to say the least. Um, we uh, I, I mean I say sort of like. High, high level, like you know, the biggest problem, if you sort of looked at it, was was you, t- you, you know, we fundamentally took a, a road trip that should have been about twenty, you know, four hours uh, or so, and it became a fifty-hour road trip. So, like the amount of time, um, you know, driving was effectively doubled when you when you when you you know thought you know, factored in all the additional time you had to um, be charging the vehicle. And and the reason that was happening is because when you put even a, a high-low trailer, which is you know. Uh, Low, you know, low frontal area, relatively aerodynamic trailer uh, behind a Model X. All of a sudden, the Model X, you know, which is supposed to have a you know, over 300 mile range, was getting less than 100 miles of range, and in some cases, quite quite a bit less. Like, you know, we were driving, uh, you know, 
across Nevada and Utah and you hit a headwind and all of a sudden, like, you, you know, Tesla's great about providing you lots of data. You watch your, your, your consumption and it spikes up from, you know, seven, 800 uh, watt hours per mile to like 1.2 kilowatt hours per mile, uh, which, which, you know, sort of the brass tacks of that means Model X is going to go about 80 miles on, on a full charge. Um, that just meant charging a lot. And then there were some some uh, acute problems that came up, um, you know, namely, you know, at one point we didn't quite plan um, our charging stops well enough. And we realized we were about, you know, 50 miles from a charger with with not that uh, you know amount of range left. And we were literally like we had a generator, you know, in the back of the car. We're like, are we going to like pull over by the side, like the side of the road and use a generator to like trickle charge. And we're like, ah, that'll, that'll take forever. And what we ended up doing is we, you know, found a, a no amenities <laughs> rest stop and we dropped the trailer, you know, just by the side of the highway and, and left it there and, you know, drove the, the 50 miles charged the charge, the model X and came back to, to get it and, you know, added another three or four hours to the, the trip it was a lot um, of uh, and it was a lot of type two fun it was like great great bonding yeah. and also a lot of very sad selfies <laughs> and but you yeah. know, you're discovering you're you're identifying the problem here right it is that taking an electric vehicle towing a traditional rv is just not at the moment anyway um something that's gonna be appealing to the masses because of that yeah. range issue and you guys are going to i mean we're going to talk about this in the next segment but you guys are Lightship is really going to ad address that fundamental problem that you guys had with the, with the range issue, you know, and people in the RV industry kind of poo poo the whole idea of, of towing, you know, with a Ford Lightning or towing with an electric vehicle because of that range issue. Um, but you're going to take us to a whole new place with this, with your product, right? I mean, were you guys discussing that already on this road trip about how to solve this problem? Or were you just kind of trying to survive and get to the the next charging station well i i would say like i i i think at this point ben and i were pretty naive to be to be frank like we you know we sort of entered this as you can already like sort of hear like we were we were we were kind of like new to new to the pastime we spent a lot of time working on electric vehicles and we're, we're like here here is a you know here's a place that could fundamentally benefit from electric vehicle technology but we didn't yet have a ton of experience ourselves we hadn't yet talked to like a ton of folks who had spent, you know, their their lives RVing, and um, so it was very kind of like an electric vehicle centric solution. Like, let's address this range problem, um, which which was we were, you know we were excited about. But but I'd say it took it took the next you know you know year or two up to up to present, frankly, for us to like really understand the opportunity and the, and and the problem and and like. The electric vehicle part of it actually is just a piece of it, and 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 I think what we're what we're learning is that like, you know, there's an equal if not greater appeal for people that don't even drive EVs, um, and 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 we can get into that more when we talk about the product. But um, I said this was just the very the very scratching of the surface and understanding and understanding the problem. And you're also both thinking, obviously, you know, you came from the auto industry, and you're looking at this whole other industry, the RV industry, which is really different in, in mm -hmm. profound ways. Um, and you're, you know, as like sort of young uh, entrepreneurs uh, looking at an industry that maybe is ripe for disruption. Um, and, and you saw some parallels between where like the RV industry was. I'm not saying all this happened on the road trip, by the way. 
Um, but you're seeing some parallels between, you know, where the auto industry was when Tesla was starting, where the RV industry it was then or now still. Can you tell us what those parallels were or why you felt like the RV industry was maybe, you know, ripe for some pretty cosmic change in terms of what you're trying to do? Yeah. Well, so uh, I think a, a, a one fundamental starting point, um, even before we sort of like started to understand some of the parallels is, is, you know, we were thinking about, well, if you, if you look at vehicles in, in the United States and, um, and as electrification is sort of taking hold of some vehicle categories, you know, Ben and I both worked at, Te- at Tesla and, and, and have a lot of respect for the company and, you know, Tesla's great, but it, it's, it's making a very specific product, you know, it, it, you know, make it, until recently, you were talking about like small, mid, mid-sized sedans. It started with a sports car. Only you know, recently is it getting into into trucks and and something that is you know apparent to you know or was apparent and still is apparent to Ben and I is like you think about the country broadly in the mainstream, pickup trucks are are kind of king, not kind of king. They are king. You know, the 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 you know number one, number two, number three highest selling vehicles in the United States last year were all trucks. The Ford, you know, F series, the Dodge Ram, the Chevy, you know, the Chevy Silverado. So, so it, it, you know, it's clear to us that like something has to sort of like change here if 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 we're actually going to see like electrification become a mainstream movement. And so, if you look specifically at, at trucks and you think about like what's gonna what's gonna sort of unlock that category, how how are you gonna start convincing people who who you know don't drive and may never drive you know a Tesla that 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 electric you know electrification can be you know create a better product for them. And you start looking at trucks and you're like, well, people want to do truck things with trucks. Like it's, it's like a different use case. You're not, you're not, it's not necessarily like something that's like taking you to, to, just to work. Like you're doing, you know, you're doing something different. Um, and so that, that was, that, that, that was something that like, you know, quickly zeroed us in on RVing because, you know, this is like a principal activity of, of a, a vehicle category that is immensely popular in the United States. That was kind of the starting point, and then, and then so now you you know to answer your question a little bit more directly. Okay, so now you're now we're sort of like okay, like looking at the RV industry, like what what would it take? And that was where where I think we Ben and I got even more excited. Where where if you look at sort of like the pattern recognition from Tesla, like this was this was a, you know, I think an industry that was I think you know in a lot of ways, or at least the pastime is beloved, but it has not changed you know in 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 in, in large respects in in decades. Um, and if you kind of like look at some of the fundamentals and why that is, it's because it's a hyper consolidated industry as the, actually even more so than in, in automotive and automotive, it's fairly consolidated RV industry. It's like, it is, it is, a, it's like a new ball game. There's two or three companies that, that sort of control the thing, the, the, the whole thing. And, and, and what that has meant is there's just not a lot of new, no fundamentally new products that are entering the market. There's not a lot of like, you know, healthy competition that's creating innovation and new products. Um, and, and that was something that Ben and I got, you know, further excited about, you know, big, big opportunity to, 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 you know, bring electrification to, to a new category and then looking at an industry and we're like, holy, you know, holy cow, like there's something, there's something really, you know, uh, novel to do here. Yeah. And I think that like, that was, that was a structural side of it that, that we were looking at Jeremy. And then we also, you know, we, we, we had learned from working on, on EVs at a, at a place like Tesla that, um, you know, sustainability itself or, or electrification, electrification doesn't sell itself. Better products sell themselves or, you know, great, great product experiences. And so we, um, you know, we, we knew that there was both, 
that was both a challenge to solve with something like towing range. We also saw that there was a, there was a big opportunity in electrification for you know as, as it relates to, to to camping and and you know and go like going going RVing because um, we've I mean we've done a lot of RVing now we've talked to a lot of RVers and I still haven't met somebody who's like in love with their gas generator and and you know want, wants wants to keep using that for the rest of their life. We've all had. 12 volt batteries fail overnight, like go, go dead. And the, you know, the, the furnace won't run anymore. It's there's, there's, there's sort of a, a bunch of challenges in powering an RV in, in the traditional sense. And so it, it was, it was twofold. It was that there was both um, a challenge to the growth of electrification uh, w- within RVing as it relates to the trucks and, and towing. And there was also this big opportunity to make, you know, to make sort of a more seamless power experience and just, just and make, make RVing kind of, um, more for fun for more people and a little bit more at one with nature i've I've read in some of yeah. you know some of your materials like you know you were annoyed by that generator while you were eating your panini right but yeah. in national park campgrounds the tent campers so annoyed by the rv yeah or I mean, you some know, of them even... now you can't you can't even do it anymore right like there are there are a lot of parks that are banning banning gen sets or you have really limited hours where, where you can run them because it's just um the two don't play well together. You you want you want to be in a serene natural setting, and then and then if you you know if somebody rips up a gen set at 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 some early hour, that that kind of ruins the camping experience for 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 everybody. And even though you're taking, I mean, you're talking about taking a, a big step forward in a lot of ways with technology. It also sounds like at the core of this product is simplification, at least for the end user, for an easier yep. experience. Because I can say firsthand, yes. Powering an RV with a generator with some lithium-ion batteries, plugging into 110, you know, all these different power sources is problematic, and it's hard for people to learn and manage those systems. I mean, there's people that own their RVs for years and don't quite understand how the refrigerator works. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I want to. We're going to come back, and I want to dive what, into. What, one, go ahead. One go thing ahead. I was going to say about that, Jeremy, is that I think for for us. Um, the ultimate here would be that you know when you go RVing, it's about kind of taking the comforts of home with you, and we we think that um, in in almost every respect, this should feel like a vacation home experience, right? Especially from a power standpoint and sort of sort of running the whole thing, it should just it should just work in the end. Just like when you go to your vacation home, you flip on the breaker, things are things are live. It it should be like that in your light shift. You shouldn't have to be constantly thinking about how do I how do I manage this vehicle? How do I keep it going? That's a perfect segue. We're going to come back. We're going to dive into the L1, talk about specs, talk about the exterior, talk about the interior. Before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Camco and our friends at RV Snappad. Camco is one of our favorite companies in the outdoor recreation industry. For more than 50 years, they have remained a trusted North Carolina-based manufacturer specializing in innovative products for the RV, marine, outdoor living, and outdoor recreation markets. You may know them best by their American-made Rhino sewer hoses, Taste Pure water filters, EvoFlex drinking water hoses, and TST toilet chemicals, but their lineup of products doesn't end there. Camco continues to deliver products that bridge the gap between you and your next great adventure. From portable grills and campfires to ease lift hitches and power grip electrical adapters, they seem to be doing it all. 
There's a saying that if you own an RV, you are sure to own a Camco product or two. And it's true. We still use Camco products that we bought 12 years ago when we started RVing. This year, we are stocking up our new RV with go-to Camco products like their collapsible laundry basket and their life is better at the campsite dishes and mugs. Head to campcooutdoors.com to check out all of the cool stuff that Campco makes and get 10% off your entire order with our discount code RVATLAS10. Meet the world's only permanent jack pad. RV snap pads attach permanently to your RV leveling jack so you don't have to carry around blocks of wood or plastic blocks to level your towable or motorized RV. Simply snap them on one at a time and you're all set. RV snap pads go on in seconds and provide a lifetime of stability on the road. They are built for wanderers, adventurers, and vacationers just like you. SnapPad also now makes non-permanent leveling accessories for plastic levelers and buckets. They make everything you need to have the best leveling experience possible in your RV. We added RV snap pads to our travel trailer two years ago and love their durability, design, and functionality. They also make setting up and breaking down camp faster and easier. Finally, SnapPad recently collaborated with Camco Manufacturing to release the most durable, rugged, and stable scissor jack stabilizer available today. Head over to rvsnappad.com and use their Submit Your Rig tool to answer a few quick questions, and they will find you the perfect set of snap pads for your towable or motorized RV. Join the RV SnapPad revolution today. To find out more, visit rvsnappad.com. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here with Ben Parker and Toby Kraus, the co-founders of Lightship. And in this segment, we really want to dive into the L1 and just introduce our listeners to this. It's 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 a beautiful unit. I mean, I'm really really excited about it. It's really cool. It's really different. It's really it's really unique. There's there's not too much like it in a lot of ways. So give give us some of the basic specs, dimensions of, of the trailer, just so, you know for somebody that's never seen it before. And of course, you can go to the RVAtlas.com and all the pictures in the show notes. But guys, break down the basics for us in terms of the specs and everything. Sure. Um, do, Toby, do you want me to say a few, few bits about it? Have, have, have at it, Ben. <laughs> okay. Well, it's a, um, it, you, you can tell I love this thing. So it's a, uh, it's about a, it's just, just, shy, just shy of a 27 foot travel trailer. Um, it's, you know, and, and just shy of eight and a half feet wide. It's built for, um, I mean, really, it could it could be a couple's trailer, or it could be a you know a, a trailer for a small family. I, I think it would depend on how um, how how those people would want to use it. For a couple's trailer, you could you know this is this is a big enough trailer that you could go out for for you know even even months at a time. We've, we've, of course, we've talked to some people already at at shows and things like that who want to full time it. For a family, um, it's more it's more like a you know we, we have we have two we have two bedding configurations. So we in the uh, uh, you know, any 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 light shift that you buy, it'll it'll be able to any L one that you buy, it'll sleep for. So you'll have you'll have uh, sort of a, a main bed up front, which you probably saw in the, in the layout on the website. Um, it's actually it, it is a, it is sort of a lounge by day, and then and then becomes your your you know about queen sized bed. Then the dinette also drops down, so that that turns it into a second sleeping surface. Maybe it's for the kids or something like that. Um, and that's that's closer to a full size bed. Well, there's also a a, a lofted bed. That will offer so that's this is a it, um, think of it like a platform bed that drops out of the the ceiling in the very nose of the trailer and there you could you can imagine stashing you know a couple more kids so if you're if you're if, if two parents for four kids then then you put them up there or if you want to have you know guests over for instance maybe you are using it as a couple's trailer 
if you have if you have two guests, two friends coming over, maybe one one goes in the dining area, another another could go up in the lofted bed. Um, obviously, all all the appliances are are electric. Uh, so so think about uh, your cooktop, your microwave. We have a dishwasher. I'm, in, so, I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I am like yeah. I'm so the dishwasher. Like when I saw the dishwasher, yeah. I heard like the angels singing. Um, <laughs> I was because you know typically like. For an RV owner like me, you don't start to yeah. see a dishwasher until you get into like a really expensive class A motorhome. Yeah. Um, so it was like really cool and unique to see it in a trailer. And I, I would really, really love that because I hate doing dishes at camp. So bravo. That was a, a cool ad there. Amen. Toby, Toby and I were what would finally, uh, where we finally, we, he and I were back and forth for a long time where we, you know, it's, it's it's like okay well that's, that's it's some extra space to take up there's there's some cost there's some weight it's you know is is this would be we're really kind of breaking new ground and doing something like this but we were out on a uh, we do we do an annual camping trip kind of co-founder camping trip and we were we were camping in the Rockies in a in a uh, in a Winnebago van and uh, we made a big big spaghetti dinner and we we'd like knock back a couple whiskeys and and all of that and it was it was time to go to bed and we still had to clean the you know the crusty spaghetti. <laughs> off of the dishes in the in the tiny sink and we were like okay this this seals it we 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 need a dishwasher in there and it's actually it's it's a really um it's it's a it's a very interesting story as it relates to to the rest of the product because because you know we have a we have this this lar- very large battery system it's able to run the camper for about about seven days even you know even without much solar coming in with solar coming in in a lot of cases you'll you'll be able to just maintain the battery charge because the whole the whole roof is solar when you have all that power and it's AC power, so you're able to, you know, to run any any kitchen appliance off of it or anything that you'd plug into the plugs, whether you're on shore power or not, you actually you you open up an opportunity for something like a dishwasher, which is a you know an AC appliance. We can run it from anywhere. And now the the next limiter on how long you can go camping would is your water. You're, you know, how much how much water you can hold on board. And so it turns out that um a dishwasher unit is is about twice as water efficient as as hand washing your dishes, and you know apart from it just being convenient. So 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 putting that in made perfect sense just in terms of prolonging the you know the camping experience too. It's a boondocking feature for goodness sake. Like I, I would never would have thought of it that way. So sure. I, I you know when you're describing all this and you've got the gorgeous um, very spacious kitchen in the middle of the coach and you've got a, a full bathroom across the rear of the coach. Um, you know, some of the things you just hit on make me really feel like people that want to boondock and camp on public land are going to be really interested here. I mean, you're talking about a, a week off grid. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, there's a very strong impulse among RV owners to get away from traditional campgrounds because of overcrowding issues, because of cost. But it was all different types of reasons. And also, our public lands are incredibly beautiful. Yeah. Um, are Are you kind of you know, gearing up for that to be your your core customer, that that boondocking customer. I mean, obviously this this RV would look beautiful at an RV resort and you can take it wherever you want. Yep. But are you are you as as you as you guys designed it, were you thinking of that person who wants to camp on public land and you're out, you know, one of you is out there in Colorado right now, surrounded by public land. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's me. Um I would say like I, you know absolutely that 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 is that's like a core customer that we had in mind but I, I don't I wouldn't say that's like the only only you know customer that we necessarily had had in mind you know we we think that this is a you know an RV that is is awesome if you want to stay at an RV campground and we think this is an RV that's awesome if you, if you want to boondock um it's 
it's um you know i think as ben and i have you know now been going to tons of shows and doing much more of being ourselves and talking you know talking meeting you know future customers i'd say it's 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 a mix like it, it's it's like a mix of people who want to take it you know deep into public lands and and not see anybody for days and it's you know people who maybe that's like more aspirational for them but they're probably going to be camping in a you know state park or or an rv campground um so yeah i'd say it's it's kind of it's 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 sort of all of the above and Re- reality of- is jeremy there there are a bunch of awesome places to go camp that that uh even some of which are, are you know kind of close to civilization that still don't have the the power that you would want to right right at hand so it's like like toby's saying like many state parks maybe they have one or two sites that are you know that that do have full hookups but there are a bunch of others where where people you know that are that are ready for rvs that people go to that that don't necessarily um the blm is the blm is probably that's kind of like the fir- you know the furthest furthest reach and we'll definitely have users who go there but think about um think about even stuff like like land share that, that people are doing now around around the, the, you know the, the whole harvest host program hip hip camping things like that um and and even if you're at a you know you could be you could be at a at a at a, at a crowded rv park that you know if you imagine you're in vegas or, or something like that a lot of, a lot of those parks it's there's a lot of strain on the electrical system um you know of the the infrastructure of the park and so knowing that uh, you have an rv that is that is able to sustain itself from a power standpoint even if the power does go down at the park even if you are blowing breakers and things like that is it is a really it's a cool point of security you made a bunch of great points there. I mean, in the Northeast, a lot of the state parks don't have hookups at all. And so, you know, within the RV industry, there used to be sort of an idea that people, only people in the West would want RVs that were capable to to go off grid. But people in the East are buying them too. They're not buying them to go off grid per se, but they're buying them to go to state parks that don't have hookups. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm also picturing an L1 owner going out into public land then going to a KOA, which will maybe have a charging station and yeah. you know, charging up and then going back out into public land again. Now, let, let's push forward here into what I think is, to, I don't know, to me, it's the, the key feature. I mean, it's, it's the most important thing to, to talk about is the self-propulsion capability. Um, so can you guys just, can you just teach us about that, explain what that is and what, what your expectations are for how that will affect MPG or not affect MPG on the, on the tow vehicle? Yeah, it's yeah, it's kind of a mind bender. I, I was going to say too, Jeremy, that uh, you know, on the point of um, of like of, of charging charging the L one at a at a park. Yeah, it'll be it'll be really nice if the park has uh, you know EV chargers built in. But frankly, any 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 RV campground with uh, you know fifty amp hookups and sort of it, a, a two forty volt hookup that is that is power sufficient to to charge the the L one even you know even just to do so overnight if you're if you're only doing a, a one night stay. This is this is one of the one of one of the beautiful things about um, you know a, an electric vehicle uh, an electric RV is is that uh, where where EV charging and EV charging infrastructure is sort of a, a problem generally across the country. There's actually good charging infrastructure that is built in uh, you know to many many of the RV campgrounds that we go to. So we like the, the way that we talk about it is that. Um, in some ways, destination charging is almost built into to the RVing experience, which I, I think is is great. It means you know less less range anxiety and and less um, less planning around charging if if you're if you're going electric RVing. Um, the let's see the the propulsion system 
or we, we call it a range assist system is is pretty interesting it makes it makes the l1 a, a new a new type of of vehicle in the sense that it's not you know it's not just a dead weight trailer anymore it's 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 um it is a it is a it is a, a trailer that's able to power itself down the road so we're we're um what, what that what that means from a maybe from a from a product or a technical standpoint is that the the light ship has an ev battery on board it's a it's a thing like a, a sort of a, a tesla model 3 sized battery um it also has a drive motor on board so there's a motor that that uh, that spins the the rear wheels of the trailer and the reason that we did that is basically to help the truck that's that is that is towing the l1 um if it's an ev truck then you know th think about think about that that range problem that we described where a, a 300 mile ev truck becomes maybe a 100 mile truck when you're you know when you're towing towing a, a traditional trailer behind it we, we of course right up front we spent a lot of time just developing developing the aerodynamics of the l1 because we knew we needed to make the trailer sort of passively efficient first but then once when we, we rescued maybe half of the range loss just through making it a very efficient vehicle so now let's say we're at 200 miles of range we wanted to make up that extra 100 miles of range to get to a, a zero range loss experience so to get back to a full 300 miles of ev towing range and the way that we did that is with this propulsion system where you you can imagine that normally the truck is feeling the weight and feeling the load of the trailer you know maybe especially as you're going uphill but even as you're as you're as you're just rolling on on flat ground with the range assist system the trailer is now helping itself or really it's helping the truck pull it so as the truck is is going down the down the freeway it doesn't feel the weight of the trailer anymore there's almost no load on the hitch and technically the way that we do that is through a, through a, 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 a several sensors one of the main sensors is a force sensor that goes between the truck and the trailer in the hitch uh, and that 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 way when you know the force between the truck and the trailer then you can bring that force down to almost zero so there's almost no weight on the truck but you can also make sure that you're never pushing the truck you know so you so the truck the truck drives stably do you see my mind blowing here, like back against the wall behind me? So just making it more aerodynamic, what was a, a, a huge part of this process, you said that got you from like 100 to 200. Mm. And, and then the range assist gets you back to square one, basically. So that was sort of the journey you guys went on in a nutshell. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like, like Toby was saying too, the, the the cool thing about this that we've learned even more from you know now, now all, all of our reservation holders, many of whom drive traditional that you know gas or diesel trucks, is that we're all used to getting eight, maybe ten miles per gallon when you're towing with a you know with a traditional truck, and, and you just you just pay at the pump with some, with a trailer like this that is both very efficient and has a, a you know a, a power system, a, a propulsion system on board, you can get back almost to your you know your normal unladen highway fuel economy so if your truck gets maybe 20 20 miles a gallon 20 22 miles a gallon on the highway you're back to that point for 300 miles as well helps for it helps as you're going up and down hills too because you can you can think about are you guys still with me yeah i was gonna I'm say that okay as uh as, you, as you're going up a hill the trailer is now helping the truck so the so the truck transmission and powertrain is not getting loaded up as much as you're going downhill you can do regenerative braking so you can so now the, the the motor on the trailer is working in reverse so the trailer is actually pulling itself back 
a little bit and uh, is putting energy back into the battery and also tracking stably behind the truck. So the trailer's not pushing the truck downhill. There's it's sort of an endless set of things that you can do once you put a, a propulsion system on board a on board a trailer. I, I want to say to my listeners right now, you know, when you dig into the Lightship L1, some of you might look at the price point and you know be be shocked at the price point. I think that when you consider the technology that you just described, all of a sudden it starts to seem very affordable to me, actually, that you're getting this technology. Um, and also the aerodynamic shape. Um, tell us about camp mode and, and road mode, because that's also like a really key feature here and also plays a big role in, in, in that design and, and getting that MPG. Yeah, totally. I, I, can, I, I, can, I can, why don't I jump in on this one? Back. Oh yeah, please do. Um, tell me. Um, so this is, this is kind of a funny one because I think like a lot of people see, see the design and, and, you know, as you said, Jeremy, you know, we call road mode and camp mode, which to, to describe that is, is there's basically two vehicle forms when you're, when you're towing it, the, you know, the vehicle sits nice, you know, nice and sleek. It, it looks kind of like a bullet and, and it'll sit behind your truck. It's about six and a half feet tall. It's actually kind of like lower than, than the, than the roof of the truck. Um, and then when you're camping, it transforms from, from, from that mode that we call road mode to camping mode. And camping mode, the entire top of the vehicle, what we call the canopy, goes up so that the vehicle is about 10 feet tall. Um, the reason we do that, people see that and they're like, oh my gosh, that's, that's like so amazing. That's so cool. Like what a cool design. The reality is like the reason we, we do that is it, it's all about function. So, so, so when you, when you look at road mode, why, why, why do we want to have a vehicle that's only six and a half feet tall? The reason is because the most important thing you can do to make a vehicle very aerodynamic is to reduce the frontal area of the vehicle. If you go back to, to how, you know, where, where we started and, and, and talking about, you know, Ben and my trip, uh, in the Hilo trailer, one of the reasons that's actually a very aerodynamic trailer, even though it looks like a brick is because it has a very small frontal area. And so, and so for us, that, that, that is, that is the reason we have. Um, a sort of a two mode vehicle. And then what you get out of that is, is actually uh, another benefit. So not only are you very aerodynamic when you're towing the vehicle, but also when you're camping in a vehicle now, it, you know, it's very atypical to have a, a travel trailer that's 10 feet tall. And it's very atypical to have a, a travel trailer when you go inside the vehicle and your ceiling height is about seven and a half feet. Um, so, so, so that, that's kind of our, you know, second benefit. And now when you are camping in a vehicle, it feels like you have this like nice, you know, residential sort of height ceiling and it feels very, very open and spacious. But yeah, also, our tagline is that it, uh, it, it tows small, but it camps big. It's super but, spacious inside. And I mean, the windows though, like we need to stop for a second and talk about the windows. I mean, there are airstreams that maybe have windows like this in, on one end of the coach. But this is pretty panoramic, right? Besides the rear with the bathroom, like the windows are really gorgeous, really amazing, and feel like they tie into this desire you guys have to have this connection to nature as well, which seems to be part of the ethos of Lightship. So t tell me whatever you want to tell me about those gorgeous windows. And everybody listening, go to the RVAtlas.com or go to LightshipRV.com and take a look. Tell me about the windows. Do you want to tell me? Yeah, you, you go over, Ben. Oh, sure. Uh, well, I, yeah, we went kind of crazy. We went kind of crazy on the uh, on the windows. It's um, what you know, it's it's funny, Jeremy, because one of our maybe the, the the 
our our ambition was this idea of bring you know bring the outside in visually so you can be you can be comfortable inside your inside your camper but but getting getting views small around because you spend all this time and you know effort money getting to a, a really beautiful campsite you want to you want to be able to appreciate the, the 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 vista there one of one of the um i guess a, a design inspiration for it or one, one one of the designs that we we thought about or looked to was some of those um the viewing cars and a train if you've seen some some passenger trains i think you see that you see this especially in um Europe and Canada, there there are a few. There's a, there's a famous one in Switzerland where you're, uh, you know, the the whole the whole, it's like a bubble. The whole top half of of that train car is 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 windows all around, and you, you um, you you basically feel like you're outside even even though you're in there. And I think I think both the windows plus having having a tall ceiling, those are um, those are maybe the two elements of of the camper. Um, Along with along with an open you know an open layout in in the space that just make it feel enormous for for what it is people people walk into the L one uh, at at some of the you know some of the shows that, that we go to and they gasp because it's like I've never I have never been inside a, a camper that feels this big at this size and while you know while the design is obviously futuristic's a, a weak word to use but i mean you guys are taking us into the future with this product there there does seem to be like some echoes to to vintage rvs in terms of, of layout design what was that an inspiration at all like looking back at rvs from the 50s and 60s it, it was yeah I'd, I'd say the process um was was actually pretty organic so 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 you know as as Ben and I got got moving um uh, and, and sort of like building the product and and I think here here we actually have to give a lot of credit to folks that that aren't that aren't uh, aren't here on on the podcast like um one of our early hires was a, a guy by the name of Rob Williams who was the um the, the chief creative officer at Rivian and and has, has spent his career doing automotive design and then he has built a really amazing design team um, and, and so now we have this really awesome group of folks that have, have a, you know, a combination of experience in, uh, not just automotive, but like have done tons of like interior design and furniture design and other, and, and other types of product design. Um, and, and I think certainly as a part of their process, they, they did spend, you know, a lot of time looking at, um, you know, RV layouts, both, both new and old, but, but actually how we ended up where we ended up was, was, a, was a pretty methodical process where, we spent a lot of, of time. I think, I mean, I think we probably went through like 50 or 60 layout designs and really like paid attention to the ergonomics and, uh, pay, you know, paid attention to, um, you know, how, how the flow would work. We actually, um, built before we ever even built our, you know, very first full, full vehicle prototype. We built the entire interior out of plywood. Um, and we, and we invited people who had spent, you know, a lot of time RVing to come and, and experience it. And, 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 and we like study, you know, study them and how they use it. Like if they had kids, we like, like come bring your kids and hang out in our plywood RV and try to make your kid lunch, you know? And, 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 and it was a very methodical process and we, you know, tweak things and change things. And, and ultimately that was how we came up with, with the layout. Um, uh, so, so I think we, we maybe like, uh, you know, maybe started by by looking at, at some some of like the the classic um, uh, designs, but ultimately what we what we settled on was was something that was 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 our own and, and unique and and really based on creating a, a space that we thought was was really you know optimized around 
the, the person who's, who's using the RV. Yeah. All right, everybody. We're going to come back in a second. I've got a couple more questions for Ben and Toby as we wrap up the show, talk a little bit more broadly about the company and how the company is going to work, how you can get a Lightship L1. Before we do so, we have a sponsored message from our friends at Yogi Bears, Jellystone Park, Camp Resorts. Our family has been staying at Jellystone Park locations for 12 years. There are more than 75 Jellystone Park locations across the United States and Canada, and each one is unique, but our kids love them all because each Jellystone Park location has fun attractions like pools, water slides, splash grounds, mini golf, laser tag, and jumping pillows. Plus, there are tons of activities all day and all night long, such as foam parties, dance parties, wagon rides, tie-dye, and movie nights. They even have themed weekends like Chocolate Lovers Weekend, Christmas in July, and Halloween weekends in the fall. Of course, we can't forget the fun of hanging out with Yogi Bear, Boo Boo, and Cindy Bear. And at Jellystone Park, you can stay in your RV or enjoy one of their awesome glamping accommodations as many of their locations offer luxury cabins, yurts, covered wagons, and more. Make Jellystone Park a part of your family's vacation in 2023 because it's not just a campground. It's a Jellystone Park. To learn more and to book your vacation today, visit jellystonepark.com. That's jellystonepark.com. And please, don't forget to tell Yogi Bear that Jeremy and Stephanie said hello. Welcome back to the show, everybody. We are here with Ben Parker and Toby Krause, the co-founders of Lightship. We've been talking about the L1, which launched, had an amazing launch over this summer, a really wonderful launch. Um, guys, let's talk uh, just kind of about the company and, and how the company is going to work. So you've chosen to sell directly to consumers, which there are, you know, there are examples of that in the RV industry, uh, more niche examples like, like Casita or Oliver trailers and the fiberglass trailers. It's certainly a model that is, you know, working for a lot of people, um, but it is generally speaking different than what most people choose to do. So why did you make that decision to sell direct as opposed to building a, a dealership network? Good question, Jeremy. <laughs> um, I, I, I would start by saying like, I think Ben and I go into this like decision with, a, with, with like humility and an understanding of like how hard it will be and how important it is to um, still be able to you know, provide an, an incredible you know, experience to our customers from a sales perspective and, and actually even more importantly from a service perspective. I think that's, that's sort of the most important um, you know, thing to solve for. The, the, I'd say the roots of the decision really actually go back to some of our, our experience in the early days of, of electric vehicles. If, if you look at um, Tesla in the early days, this is almost like forgotten to history, but, but before Tesla was as uh, successful as it is now, it actually did um, some programs with existing car companies. So they did an electric version of a Toyota RAV4, they did an electric version of a, of a Mercedes uh, vehicle, an A-Class, and then actually a B-Class. And those vehicles were sold through traditional dealer networks. And the, the sort of like visceral experience I had was that was really, really tough. And the reason most of your listeners have never heard of those vehicles is because they didn't really sell that well. And, 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 and it sort of, you know, there's a, 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 maybe a longer story here, but, but fundamentally what was happening is they, they show up on dealer lots and, you know, you'd have a, a Toyota salesperson that would say, yeah, you could buy this electric RAV4 but there's a perfectly good gas rav4 sitting right next to it by the way it's a little bit cheaper and it and it, and, it, and it was just not a it was not a recipe for success in terms of you know educating people on a new product and particularly on new on new technology 
Um, and, and I think if you sort of play this forward, many of the sort of electric vehicle manufacturers have, have, have really sort of built a lot of the foundation for more of a direct sales model. So if you look at, you know, obviously Tesla or Rivian, um, you know, a, a other, other vehicle manufacturers, I think this is becoming a little bit more familiar to, to, to people. And I think actually, frankly, like a lot of car companies, if they can do it over again, they might, they might try to do it differently as well. So for us, you know, that, 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 that is, that, that's something that we, that we think is important. And then I think what we really need to be focused on is how, how do we pr still provide a, a, you know, an absolutely seamless, um, you know, user experience and service experience for customers. And we'll, we'll have a lot, a, a lot more to say there as we get closer to, to launching production. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think, go ahead, oh, go ahead, Ben. Oh, and I, I want, I think on, on, on the service front too, there's, there's, there's a lot, there's a lot more we'll say over time, but I think, um, it's maybe it's important for you to know that the things that we are not going to let happen is some of the stuff that we've experienced where, you know, you're waiting three, three plus months to, you know, either to get, to get a, a service appointment for your RV or, or the RV, even worse, the RV is, you know, is sitting at service for, for months at a time and you miss, so you miss the whole, the whole season because of it. Um, or, you know, even worse, you, you take delivery of the RV and there's already stuff wrong with it, stuff like that. Like we, we, will not stand for that. Well, there, there's such an opportunity there. And if you look at those fiberglass companies that I mentioned, you know, like Oliver and Casita that have very devoted followings, part of how they've made that model work, that direct-to-consumer model work, is that they're actually really good quality trailers, right? I mean, it doesn't <laughs> take long to discover that. You go into those yeah. forums and they're really well-made. They have fewer problems. There's, there's less of a need to, to bring them back. Yep. But also those, and I would encourage you guys to do this, uh, those companies also make purchasing directly from them uh, like a pilgrimage, like a journey, mm. a voyage. Mm. Part of uh, that owner's origin story is is going out and picking it up and and having the the road trip to go get your your L one and mm -hmm. you know whatever ways you can make that special for people is a big purchase, you know. And I think people will be willing to to drive to get it, and that's that's part of the story, the ownership story, really. Um, I wish I could interview like your whole team. Um, I don't think that's possible because I've, I've been following like people you've been hiring and you're just like, you're really hiring some amazing talent. One thing that stood out was that you have this light trip program for your employees, which I think is awesome. Can you just in a nutshell, tell us what that, that program is and how that's going? We love that program. Um, the origin, so the origin of that is, um, you know, one of one of our sort of like sort of mission statements is is that we want to bring more people into RVing, right? And 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 I think what that fundamentally means is we're going to have people on our team who have a lot of experience RVing, and we're going to have people on our team who don't have a lot of experience RVing. And you know, Ben and I are pretty upfront that like we, you know, now now we have more and more and more experience, but but we 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 were new to the industry as well, and and so and so we're like, okay, well what do we do to, to pull people in? Um, and, and selfishly, like for, you know, for Lightship, this is really important because we want people to understand the products, you know, deeply. Um, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's like not just a sort of a fun benefit. We, we want them to understand like how, how, how RVs work. And so we, we kind of came up with this program, which is sort of, you know, equal parts, you know, benefit to, to people that we hire. And, um, and a, you know, a, a sort of self-interested, like, let's teach them about how, how to RV. And in so doing, we believe they will be empowered to make a better product. 
Yeah, the, the nuts and bolts of it is that if, if you're a full-time employee at Lightship, you get a stipend every year to like a cash stipend to go RVing with it. So we, we, will, we will fund your RV fund. Uh, and it, this, is, this is so great because it, you know, it, one, it's just fun. You know, it's 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 a it's a fun part of 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 being on the on the lightship team. But like Toby is saying, it it builds a lot of empathy. You know, within within our team for uh, all of the intricacies of going RVing, what products are out there already, how do you use them? Um, it's a really good sort of source of creativity for us because people oftentimes so where do you get some of your best ideas? It's when you're actually doing the thing when you're you know when you're having an issue. So we'll, we'll, have, we'll have new feature ideas that come out of our, our teammates going RVing and then coming back and write, you know, write up a little report for, for the company. And, and so tell, tell some stories from the road. It's, it's, it's both, it's both cultural and, and it's, it's a way that we, we would, you know, ultimately build, build, build more satisfying products for, for, for our, our users. I love it. I mean, there's, it's sort of a running joke in the RV industry that the people that build RVs don't, don't use RVs. And, and part of that is that they're working very long hours and, there's a lot of reasons why they don't do that, but there are some companies that do that. I'd love to see that program continue. Have you actually implemented design changes based on you know somebody coming back from one of these and saying, "Oh man, this is a real pain point in this RV. Let's make sure we don't have that in the L1." Oh yeah, I mean that's like we, you mentioned the dishwasher. Ben was a little more generous to me. I would I would say I was against having a dishwasher um, for weight and cost and. And I ben, ben may not admit that he was planning this, but but like that spaghetti dinner and that a couple whiskeys and trying to to like wanting to go to bed, that was that was how we decided that so this is our co-founder light trip. Um, and we and we've made, I think, a lot of other other sort of like, you know, sort of like it, it has influenced the product, I think, in, in other ways. Like um why did we pick a week off grid is sort of like a design criteria for 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 boondocking. That that was based on on you know the experience of multiple team members and like what they were doing, like what appliances they were using, um, and and then us sort of doing the analysis to, to to understand how we can how we can enable that. Little things around storage too. I think that because that's that's the sort of thing where it's really down in the details, but it matters so much. We, we have a we have a whole um, you know a storage system that our our design team has has affectionately named the garage, and the you know the 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 idea there is where where do I tie down my gear? How do I have extra extra spots? You may you may have seen in our prototype. We have we have these two rails uh, above the the main windows where you can you can basically trade overhead window space for extra storage space. So you can you can stack up you know additional storage duffels into these rails over over the windows. All all of um, all of those sorts of uh, little you know little product feature ideas. Many of them came from from the team the team going, you know, go, going RVing themselves. Love it. Guys, tell everybody where they can follow this great adventure that you guys are on in terms of website, social media. How do you reserve an L1? Give it, give us all the details for somebody that wants to learn more. Yeah. Yeah. We're, uh, well, I mean, so our, sorry, our, our, our website, our, our website's uh, lightshiprv.com. Um, check us out. You can, you can reserve an L1 now. Uh, reservations are open. Um, also on Instagram. Twitter, I guess we're calling it X now, um, LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, just, just look us up. It's, it's their light, lightship RV across, across the board. Guys, yeah. thank you so much for coming on the show. I, I really enjoy I mean, this could be, we could do another hour here. 
Um, great conversation. Uh, I'm really wishing you all the success in the world. And the launch was really wonderful to follow. Um, I know there are cynics and skeptics, and and there always will be when new things come into the world. Um, so you know, don't don't listen to them. Just keep going. That's okay. Keep charging change, ahead. Change is hard, and sometimes change is the right thing to do. And we're going to keep doing it. Thanks. Awesome. Well, and I hope to have you guys back on again soon. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks, Thanks Jeremy. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the RV Atlas. To find out more about the topics discussed on this show, head on over to the RVAtlas.com. And to join the friendliest group of RVers, head on over to the RV Atlas group on Facebook and make sure to join us on YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram at the RV Atlas. If you enjoy our show, please consider leaving us a review over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. And we will see you at the campground. See you at the campground.